2: To the Rotowire Daily Fantasy Sports podcast, sponsored by FanDuel, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. This pod is for the game being played on Wednesday, April twentieth. I'm Derek Van Riper, filling in again for Jake Litarsky. Joined today by John McKechnie at Johnny McKecks on Twitter. Just check the the show description; we'll we'll spell it out in there because spelling it here probably won't help anybody. At Derek Van Riper for me spelled exactly the way you think it would be spelled, which means check the show description for that, too. I got to ask you, John, I know you're, you're a man of style, especially in this office. I appreciate uh, that. I mean, the, the bar is relatively low in our office, which is not a slight at you. It's a dig at everybody else here for being pretty sloppy, but you, you actually take some pride in your appearance. I got to ask you about plaid suits in particular. Not that you've worn one in the office before, but you seem like the kind of guy that... You're not just getting an off the rack black suit as your only suit. So, what do you think? Good, bad, or only for guys like motivational speaker Matt Foley and, and TNT sideline reporter Craig Sager?
3: I think we're entering a, a beautiful part of the year wh- when your suit selection can truly bloom and prosper. I mean, not only do we have Craig Sager, basketball playoffs, we got the NFL draft coming up pretty soon. We're going to see some top notch. Uh, crazy suits there. I can't wait for that in the basketball draft and in a few months beyond that. So I, I, in general, I approve of a suit that kind of sets you apart. Uh, plaid. If, if that's your dig, then so be it. I do have a houndstooth, uh, kind of brownish houndstooth coat that i enjoy wearing to uh uh, special gatherings uh in general i'd say i'm a a
2: big fan of these uh plaid suits love it yeah this is a good time of year if you're a big fan of suits now even if you hate suits you can express your style this time of year of course with plaid shorts which i think are always a good choice as you uh, lounge around it is finally warm enough to wear it out now at least up here in wisconsin finally yeah we're we're finally at the point it was up to like 85 on monday kind of Crapped out on us went back down to the high fifties, low sixties, and rained today. But I think we're we're at least into what I would consider to be part of the larger summer season here on uh, on campus at yep. the University of Wisconsin. Uh, Eleven games on the main slate for Wednesday. We've got some afternoon games: Rockies, Reds, Cubs, Cardinals, Angels, White Sox, and then Mariners, Indians with a 6.05 Eastern start also not included if you're playing the main slate on FanDuel. So anything we mention from those eight teams applies to the earlier slate if you happen to play that on Wednesday. Uh, but taking a look, starting in the cash game strategy section and, and looking at the arms that you're going to go uh, build around, I mean, Chris Sale looks like he's going to be priced around 12000 Again, using that the hack that I mentioned on the show yesterday, if you just uncheck the only show probable pitchers box, on the current day, you can sometimes get a sneak peek at what the prices are going to look like on the next day, and it worked for Vince Velasquez. We talked about him yesterday. Oh, yeah. Listed at 9000 and that's what he came up for for the Tuesday slate. But Chris Sale's the most expensive pitcher on the board. Is he your preferred option for cash on Wednesday if you're going to play that early slate?
3: I, I, think, he, I think he is. I mean, I, I just have a hard time going away from Chris Sale in a cash game, uh, especially you know he's at home. Uh, Going going up against an Angels team that uh, you know their offense can be pretty uh, bereft of of real threats uh, once you get down in the order beyond like the middle section there. Uh, They don't strike out a lot, so you might not get like the insane uh, K numbers from Sale that you're used to seeing uh, on Wednesday. But I think in general, uh, I really like the matchup. I think he's he's got a pretty good shot at the win which is what you need if you're going to be spending 12k on him uh but i just don't see a way where
2: he doesn't hit uh value where you need him to yeah the the win is ultimately kind of that tiebreaker for me when i'm building out my lineups if i'm looking at similar skills similar matchups then you're starting to break down likelihood of a guy leaving the game with a lead and having a bullpen that's good enough to actually preserve it Uh, Chris Archer's name will come up for some people as a possible contrarian high-end play. He's listed at 11,000 as of right now for a matchup against Boston. On the road against the Red Sox, a guy that hasn't thrown it particularly well early on, has not completed six innings in any of his first three starts. What do you think about Archer in what could look like a very tough spot on paper, against Boston,
3: yeah, I'm I'm starting to get a little bit worried about Archer, especially as a guy that has as many shares of him as I possibly could have gotten uh, this season in my in my season longs, uh, and he's going to be on the road against a Red Sox offense that you know that's pretty explosive if they if they really start clicking. So I I'm probably going to take a wait and see approach. I'm not going to uh, probably spend up 11 grand on on Archer for Wednesday. Until I've seen him kind of lock in to where I'm usually used to
2: seeing him, where he's striking out ten guys. A few other big name pitchers on the bump for Wednesday: Zach grinky in the nightcap, ten fifteen Eastern start, going on the road to San Francisco. Early price there might be ten three at that price. I actually kind of like that spot, even though the Giants are an offense I don't typically pick on. Rysel Iglesias as a day slate option, kind of intriguing too, because the price might be a tick below $8,000. he has got a home matchup against Colorado. Chad Bettis taking the ball uh, for the Rockies. But again, focusing more on the night slate, I mean, you can look at guys like Zach Grinke. You can look at Madison Bumgarner on the other side, mm-hmm. getting that start for the Giants. I mean, the issue with those two guys is figuring out who you actually like better to win, and that's almost like a coin flip type scenario, because with two aces going, it's just a matter of which ace is a little bit better on one particular day. Right. Looking here, Cole Hamels gets a matchup against Houston. Not priced up quite as highly as some of the other frontline starters out there, and I consider Hamels to be kind of at the back end of that tier in a season-long context. Uh, he's listed at 9900 right now. We'll see if that's after the price once we get to Wednesday, but what do you think about throwing a lefty like Hamels up against all those right-handed bats in that Houston lineup.
3: Well, the the right-handed bats de- definitely concerns me a bit. Uh, you you saw on Thursday during Hamill's last timeout, uh, the Orioles' right-handed hitters were able to get to him a little bit. Uh, for instance, he left a fastball high and high and over the middle, and you know Trumbo just put that in the seats, uh, for instance. But I th- I do kind of like Hamill's to, to bounce back, and he's kind of a guy that I trust in general, and to. Not be breaking the bank with him at you know under 10k at home against a against a Houston team that does uh, is a little bit prone to the strikeout. So I think he he will have that going for him, and I think the fact that he will be facing
2: all those righties might drive his ownership down a little bit. But I do kind of like his his odds at winning. Now shifting the focus to the rest of the lineup, looking for bats. Your your general approach to hitting for Wednesday. Anything in particular? That you're looking out for as far as loading up against a certain weak pitcher or maybe just even finding a couple guys that would be chalky but certainly make sense in that 50-50 or cash game scenario.
3: Well, I definitely like uh, some of the Brewers' right-handed options, uh, some of the bigger name guys in that lineup. But but the point remains the same when they're going against Tommy Malone at home. Uh, so a guy like Ryan Braun or or Jonathan Lucroy or if uh, if Carter, if Chris Carter's in the lineup too, uh, those are three guys that I would definitely be considering. Um, I do also uh, like the idea of some Rangers left-handers going up against Doug Fister at home, and. And what do you think about Michael Conforto? I mean, he's been he's been plugged into the three-hole for, for the Mets for a few days now, and it seems to be working, and
2: he's still his price is still under 3 k as of Tuesday. I love Conforto. I mean, the bump up to the three-spot bodes well. It adds up to an extra plate appearance probably once every week or so mm-hmm. on average, so I think that's a nice bump. Um, I think this is a lineup that hasn't really woken up yet, but moving him to the three-spot could be one of those small adjustments that Terry Collins makes that could get everybody – on track. I know he homered Friday night. I loved him on Friday night. I think it's the first day hit third. Um, I think when you look at some of the pitching matchups they're going to get too, it's pretty favorable. I mean, most of those elite pitchers in that division are on that team. So Conforto can rake against the rest of the NL East and and really reap the benefits of moving up in the order. So I, I love what they're doing with that lineup right now in New York, even though the Mets haven't done a lot of damage. Maybe Monday night. They had some home runs Monday night. David Wright hit two. Duda hit one up into the second deck. Neil Walker went the opposite way. Maybe they're just starting to wake up after a slow start because this is something I brought up with Zine yesterday. I feel like the Mets are more closely going to resemble the team they were in August and September of last year as opposed to the team they were April through July of last year. I mean, April through July felt like they were an offense you could pick on all the time. Once they made some moves, the deadline, and the big move, of course, was getting Cespedes, they became an offense that was behind only really like Toronto as far as their run production Mm -hmm. over those final two months. So if nothing else, they're better than they are right now. But the question is, how much better do you expect them to be as a team? And I'm willing to take those discounted prices on the likes of Granderson, on Wright, and specifically, even if you don't want to stack the Mets on a given day, if they're going up against a weaker righty or even just a mediocre sort of righty, Conforto is a building block for me at his current price.
3: Definitely, and I think that uh, you know, kind of to your point about about that post trade deadline Mets team that that was really scoring runs at, at a greedy uh, pace. I think that they have these guys that haven't quite tapped into their home run swing uh, as much as you'd like to see, but as you mentioned on Monday night, you know they're they're uh, you know hitting some lasers out there, and I think that that could be the beginning. Uh, of the Mets uh, offense really waking up and so uh, you know a guy like Conforto I don't think that like David Wright is is bankable for two home runs although he does have the most uh, active home runs against
2: uh, the Phillies in uh, Citizens Bank or something like that. Mashes mashes in that park and it's by a a wide margin too I mean in, in part because of longevity and that team being in division but still that's a place where he seems very comfortable as a hitter you know you mentioned the Brewers home against Uh, Tommy Malone I I love that matchup for the right-handed heavy lineup the Brewers have put together I mean Domingo Santana I would assume is back in the lineup on Wednesday after getting a day off Tuesday he's been leading off a lot there could be some value there Jonathan Lucroy seems like a steal his price has been just below 3,000 on FanDuel for the better part of the first two weeks of the season so I think even if he gets bumped up to 3,200 or 3,300 given the weakness at catcher overall I want to throw him out there against a lefty especially when he's at home you gotta love that he hits near the top of the order i think he could hit anywhere between second and fourth right. when the brewers are at full strength it doesn't matter which one of those spots he's given he's a great value right now especially against lefties absolutely so taking a look here at one other uh name that you're thinking about it, it's it's brad miller I and mean, i like brad miller as a player i'm kind of interested in him both in dfs and in season long mostly because The Rays were the team that went out and got him. If you look at the numbers year by year, he's kind of quietly improved his plate discipline during his time in the big leagues. I think he really struggled last year in part because the Mariners got impatient. They started playing Chris Taylor over him at one point. That didn't help the overall counting stats last year. But he still showed us double-digit home run power, had 13 steals a year ago, uh, cut down that K rate, walked a bit more than he had in the past. It's been a slow start for him so far. I think because of the low price he's a cash game consideration but i might like him even more when we talk gpps right and you know because he's going to be available towards
3: you know pretty much at the minimum and he's going to be going up against rick porcello and personally i I just don't have a ton of faith in in old rick porcello anymore Uh, and so i I think that you you're kind of getting miller at at probably what his lowest salary is going to be so i think it's one of those things where the matchup is pretty pretty favorable, and I think that he might be able to, to uh, collect a few base knocks and really kind of basically hit value for you, uh, just kind of like get you over, essentially, get you uh, some points when you're essentially punting a position.
2: I think that's a pretty good way to look at it. Now, the other building block when you're thinking about a cash game is going after the games with the highest over-unders. Uh, you look at what Vegas has thrown out there. Orioles Jays always going to be a high scoring game. Doesn't matter who's pitching. Doesn't matter where it's going to be played. Exactly. The weird thing in that game, if you're just looking at the individual matchups, and if you if you like BVP, Josh Donaldson is two for seventeen with eight strikeouts against Ubaldo Jimenez. Can that hold up? I mean, that seems like a, like a good contrarian play almost to just go after Ubaldo with Donaldson because the price is high, so people might steer away a little bit anyway. I mean, if, if Ubaldo gets chased by the other Jays hitters. Maybe you get some middle relief at bats for Donaldson, and that's that, that could pay off in a big in yards. way. Yeah, that's a perfectly good spot to be in. So I, I think when I look at Ubaldo as someone who might dominate against an opposing hitter, it doesn't really make me worry that much because even if he's good against that guy, he might not be good against anybody else that day.
3: Yeah, he might get touched up, you know, give up. Uh, Three runs to to the guys hitting at the bottom of the order, so that's kind of an interesting way of looking at that. I uh, I was so kind of struck by the fact that he was two for seventeen with eight strikeouts against Ubaldo to where it was like, oh, like there's no way I can play him tomorrow on Wednesday. But you know, when you put it like that, that's definitely an interesting way of looking at it. I do like the Orioles bullpen in general uh, more so than their starters, but. In this case, uh, I think that would be kind of an interesting contrarian
2: play because maybe other people will be scared off by that 2-for-17. I mean, it's a big field GPP move. It's definitely not a cash game consideration if it comes to uh, steering against the curve with Josh Donaldson in that particular matchup. Uh, Rangers-Astros also with a big number, 8.5. Not a big surprise given the firepower in those offenses. Some situations to avoid, though. uh, You've got three games earmarked here that you're probably going to stay away from. Mm -hmm. Tigers-Royals. believe that series is being played at Kauffman Stadium. Yes. Suppresses a lot of offense. Ian Kennedy's pitched pretty well so far. Jordan Zimmerman's actually fared pretty well so far too and he was a guy a lot of people were fading coming into the season. That's right and yeah both of them have really uh, been pleasant surprises
3: uh, thus far in the year and I think you know you toss in the fact that it's going to be at Kauffman and it's more of a pitcher's park. I'm just kind of interested to see who's going to blink first in this matchup of pitchers that are kind of early season surprises. Uh, So I'm probably going to Uh, probably
2: avoid the hitters in this one for the most part i would say over under is seven for the padres and pirates that game taking place at petco drew pomeranz against jeff Locke in a battle of a couple of lefties in that one Mm -hmm. and then of course that bumgarner grinky matchup that we mentioned earlier happening in san francisco regardless where that game was being played that'd be a low over under it's listed right now at six and a half so definitely one to probably avoid entirely or avoid almost as much as possible at least Uh, if you're looking ahead to this slate. MLB season is here, and that means Daily Fantasy Baseball is back. Go to FanDuel.com to play now. Building a team is easy. Just pick your players, stand to the salary cap, and sit back tonight and watch your team win. Entry fees start at just $1, and anyone can play. Join over 1 million other users who have already won money. It's never too late to join. Come play with us every day over at FanDuel.com. Go to FanDuel.com, click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner, use the promo code RWPOD and sign up now. Special offer for new users for every, I should say, get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with a $25 deposit. You must sign up with the promo code RWPOD. That's over $60 in value for just $25. Don't forget to use the code RWPOD. FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Sign up today starting to take a look now at some tournament strategy and you know we looked at those low over unders just a few moments ago i think you can always target those games as good sources of gpp pitchers when you're talking about pomerans or Locke or even kennedy depending on the price because ownership rates will be lower than what they will be on the aces but you may get an ace level performance or at least per dollar something close to an ace level performance if those games hold up to the expected trends
3: exactly uh so initially looking at it I thought that Jeff Locke going out to Petco was was kind of too good to be true I thought he was going to have a nice uh, bounce back he still might uh but he he's actually struggled in his career it's a pretty limited sample size against the Padres but he does have a ERA sitting at 10 against them and he's he's about a half a run worse uh on the road than he is at home in general so I'm thinking actually about uh picking uh Ross Stripling of the Dodgers uh he's obviously had a really really surprising shocking almost start to the season uh taking a no-hitter uh through 7 innings against the Giants and then pitching pretty well in his next outing uh initially he was going to be lined up going against Williams Perez which I would have you know been just hammering uh stripling everywhere but but now it's going to be tehran tehran's getting his start moved back to Wednesday because he's sick on Tuesday so you you're not even sure that Tehran's going to be pitching at, you know, at full health. I mean, Strasburg pitched through a flu last week and he looked amazing, but that is Strasburg. Uh, so I think Stra- uh, Stripling, with that offense, going against a Tehran that might not be. Uh, Full go. I think Stripling's chances of getting the win there are pretty solid. And I think just going against the Braves lineup is kind of a nice equalizer for some of the peripheral things that might
2: uh, suggest a drop-off down the line for him. The Braves are one of those teams they don't strike out a ton, but they also don't force opposing pitchers to throw a lot of pitches. So Stripling could be pretty efficient, go maybe six innings in this one at a very low cost or what should be a very low cost. Is Joe Ross cheap enough to consider as an actual GPP play, 7500 or somewhere thereabouts, I think, is the expected price. I mean, the matchup against the Marlins isn't bad. Uh, it's Wei Yan Chen throwing for Miami, so it's kind of an even sort of pitching matchup in the worst-case scenario. I think mm-hmm. Ross is actually the better of the two. And you look at what he's done his last two times out, including a start at home against the Marlins, 45 FanDuel points in that start, 50 FanDuel points in his most recent outing against the Phillies what do you think about Joe Ross in this matchup
3: Uh, I think you know it's definitely a plus that it's going to be uh, down in Miami and then you got to consider uh, last time that Ross was out um, he was really throwing a ton of pitches early on Hitting some speed bumps along the way, but he kind of smoothed things out and was able to kind of cruise to what what it, uh, surmounted to be a very nice uh, Fanduel outing for him. So I definitely like Ross a lot. I think that's an interesting play um, going against Wei and Chen. I don't think he's going to get lit up per se, but I could definitely see the Nationals touching him up a bit, like enough to where Ross leaves the game with
2: the lead. I'm trying to think of the craziest play I would make in a big field GPP and. I don't know if I see one on the slate for Wednesday. I mean, it's a strange one. Kendall Graveman at 5000 maybe, but you throw a righty like that who's uh, so much of a pitch-to-contact guy at a lineup that the Yankees can throw out there they will be predominantly left-handed in mm. in that park at Yankee Stadium. Extremely risky, but then again, the payoff could be pretty nice because with $5,000 as the price tag, you're going to get a lot of upgrades with the bats. So, True. I guess if I had to pick a really low-end, super cheap starter it'd be Kendall Graveman. I don't think I could, in good conscience, suggest that other people go down that road. (laughs) Uh, If you're looking for some bats as far as tournaments go, I mean, for me, the offensive strategy I use in a tournament doesn't really change that much from a cash game. It's more about the pitching matchup. I think the one thing I do start to think about more, GPP versus cash, is the ownership rate or expected ownership rate as far as how much do I think the masses are going to be on a certain player? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a guy like Conforto, who I really like. I, I think I like him enough to use him in both. I, th- I think twenty nine hundred is such a low price for him that I don't. I don't really care what the format is. But is there anybody that you're maybe fading in a tournament based on the expectations that the entire pool is going to be really aggressive based on the combination of matchup and price?
3: Well, it kind of felt like what I what I was talking about earlier with, with Donaldson um, that. A lot of the those Jays sluggers don't necessarily have their best numbers in Camden Yards. Uh, you know, there are guys like Edwin Encarnacion that that have kind of dominated the Orioles throughout their career, but it's not as it's not as like a bankable thing as as you might expect. You know, it sounded like going against Ubaldo in Camden probably too good to be true but i am actually going to going to fade off of uh the blue jays a little bit
2: uh, on wednesday just because it, it's it's not as good as it seems in my opinion. The one guy that i've been really thinking about using in both cash and gpp based on price is Troy Tulowitzki. I mean he's 2900. He is a bit undervalued here on tuesday and i I mean we're going to look back at the point in the season when Trevor Story was regularly above 4500 and Troy Tulowitzki was below 3000 and think that it was just complete madness I, <laughs> I i know with Tulo, there's long-term concerns about the health he's been in something of a slump to begin the season mm-hmm. to me even when he's slumping he's a $3,500 player in most run environments so you're getting him about 600 bucks below that cost and 3500 would be the price i would put him at if he weren't hitting the ball well if he's hitting well he's probably up above 4,000 given that lineup I and mean, you think about bogarts is 4,100 like skills wise who do you feel like is more likely to homer on any given day? It's Both are too low every, every yeah. time. Not even close right now between those two guys. So it's just the shortstop position is so thin for quality power bats, especially if, if Brandon Crawford is at home and he's got a tough matchup, which is the case on Wednesday. Exactly, He gets crossed off the list. Maybe Marcus Simeon is an option because that game will be at Yankee Stadium. He gets the park boost. But he's hitting the bottom of the order. So that leads you to stay away from him. Mm-hmm. Correa is always just the guy you sort of default to. I mean, Story, I, who knows what the baseline is with this guy. But I don't want right. to pay 4600 for him for a road matchup against anybody unless it's a lefty.
3: Right. And, you know, he'll be going against
2: uh, Cincinnati's ace. Yeah, it's Reisel Iglesias, and it's part of the day slate. So Story won't really be a factor. That leaves you pretty much with Correa too low maybe Corey seager Corey seager against julio Turan might be a good way to go seager's been hitting high in the order 3400 is really not a bad price you get that upside and then you think more about the logistics i mean the park atlanta is a difficult place to hit home runs i don't find myself targeting atlanta pitchers with bats very often because turner field is not a very conducive environment to the long ball it's true what about looking here for uh, Bryce Harper advice? I mean, people are, are looking at the price, and they're saying, $6,000, is it worth it? I mean, it's going to be lefty-lefty for him on Wednesday, but it's Wei-Yin Chen. He doesn't throw particularly hard. He's not whipping, like, nasty sliders up there or anything that you think is untouchable. And maybe the price will come down a few hundred bucks, but he's been at $6,000. he has been priced above pitchers, like bottom-end pitchers, for the last couple of days <laughs> now. It's probably a day to fade him, being that it's lefty-lefty. But is it at the point now where you just fade him even in a favorable matchup against righties because you can't justify spending thirteen hundred dollars more on Harper than say Mike Trout? I mean it it's, it seems to have gotten to that point where he's almost like that
3: Russell Westbrook uh type of pricing, uh if you if you want to make like an NBA fan duel comparison where he's just like head and shoulders above everybody else and it's a it's a matter of you know, he's probably gonna hit that production that that's necessary, but I mean you gotta you gotta be very careful with who you're who you're filling out the rest of your lineup with because to, to put Harper in, you're really gonna need to make some move or make some room, especially in terms of your pitcher. So if 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 it's a day like Wednesday where you don't feel over confident in sorta of, in sorta of like your tournament type pitcher, and I'm just not sure uh the what the point of using Harper is, especially in a lefty-lefty matchup? Just fill in with another. You can get another quality guy without paying
2: six thousand. Yeah, you can find plenty of value elsewhere. Get a platoon advantage you like. Get a park boost. Lots of different ways to slice it. So I think right now I'm out on Harper at that price. Waiting until he comes back to the low to mid five thousand range, and and maybe maybe also when some of the other top bats start to creep up closer to his price by bumping up. Themselves. I mean, Trout's been in kind of a, a mini slump here to start the year, which True. has dropped his price a few hundred. While Harper's price has kind of shot through the roof. Yeah, yeah it's insane right now. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, brought to you by FanDuel, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. Remember, first-time FanDuel users that make a deposit of twenty-five dollars or more via Rotowire can get six months of complimentary access. To check out Rotowire.com on your own, just go to Rotowire.com/pod. P-O-D. That's Rotowire.com/pod. Thanks again for listening. Derek Van Riper filling in for Jake Latarski. For John McKechnie, we'll be back with you tomorrow.
1: Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network.